I'm so glad to be preaching to people, you guys. Not into a camera. You have no idea how challenging that's been for me. I just uh, thank you for being here. I'm so stirred to be with God's people uh, this morning. Um, excited to step into uh, a new series with you. Let me kind of give you a, a kind of a forecast of our fall, by the way. This is where we're going to be lingering all fall, right here uh, in this gym, at, in this building. My good friend Bert and his team at Council Tree Church, he reached out to me and said, hey man, we are only going to be meeting as a church in our building on the first Sunday of the month through the entire fall. So if it would serve the Two Rivers family to be here on the other Sunday, days, we would love for you guys to have access to our building. And I said, yes, we would love to be there through the fall. Uh, we are, by the way, we're still in communication and in friendship with Colorado Early Colleges. Uh, they are uh, uh, working with us, walking with us, and our conversation with them would be about um, ramping back into their space in January. But this is where we're going to be all fall. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of uh, creativity on our end that's not normal for us. And I think I'm very actually quite excited about this rhythm. So we're going to be together for three Sundays, the second, third, and fourth. I think November actually has a fifth Sunday as well. But on the first Sunday of the month, when Council Tree is in their space, uh, think this language, the church gathered, we're gathered now in this space. And then think the church scattered. And it's really what we do every week. We gather together to be encouraged, uh, to be equipped. Uh, and then we scatter throughout the week. But what we're going to do on the first Sunday of each month is we're going to have lots of different serving opportunities, ways that we're going to go out into our community and just bless Fort Collins and bless the people of Fort Collins. There'll be lots of different ways that you can do that. So instead of coming all together on those Sundays, there'll be uh, ministry opportunities uh, for you um, to be involved with. And I'm excited about that. I think that's going to be a really uh, incredible opportunity for us just to go out on a Sunday morning all over this community and bless people with no strings attached. So that's, that's where we're going to be all fall. And since each um, month is kind of like three weeks, uh, what we're going to do is kind of quick hitter uh, sermon series. And so if I'm just going to forecast that now for you, we're going to do uh, in uh, September, uh, this Sunday, today, and the next two, we're going to do a three-week uh, study in Romans chapter 12. And we're calling the series Be Transformed. I'll talk more about that in just a minute. Uh, when we get to October, when we come back, we're going to look in the book of Jude. It's just one chapter, but we'll spend three weeks in Jude. And Jude has this call of the church to contend for the faith. In other words, we are in a battle. We are in a battle and we must contend together for the faith, for the new covenant church of Jesus centered in the grace and freedom of Christ. November TBD. Uh, be praying about that. If you have thoughts, let me know. Um, I'm at engaging the Lord on that. Uh, we'll see where we go. We'll have four Sundays in November. Uh, and then the Advent series. We'll do an Advent series when, in, when we're here in December. Coming in January, maybe Revelation. I don't know. My granny Swain called it the Revelations. I've said that before. We'll see. Uh, don't hold me to that. But um, a few of us are studying the book of Revelation this fall uh, with the possibility of that being a series maybe. Um, this uh, next January. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to Romans 12. This is the beginning first day of this three week uh, series. I, I really believe that this chapter will be uh, in this series, this three week series will be very relevant 
and very real for you, for all of us in our lives. Paul is uh, very exhortive in his teaching in Romans 12 and personally engaging with us. Um, over the last six months since we um, have been walking through this global pandemic, I've had lots of conversations with people who have just simply felt spiritually stuck and rightfully so. Rightfully so. I think one of the things that I have missed the most is the gathering of God's people and the corporate worship of God. That has been uh, really hard to not have that consistently. But I've talked with a lot of people who have been stuck. And I think that spiritual stagnancy uh, is something that to some degree or another, all of us uh, have faced. It's a real battle that we can uh, get into. Um, and I think when we get into a place as believers, when we feel stuck spiritually, or we feel stagnant spiritually, I think what we need is we need some real tangible things, some practical things just to get moving again when we feel stuck spiritually. Uh, and so I'm, hope, I'm hopeful and prayerful that Romans 12 will be that for us. A couple of illustration points about that. I'm not, a, I'm not a, like a four, uh, like an off-road guy. Uh, I don't go four-wheel driving very much, uh, but we were in Lake City uh, this summer, uh, Andrew West and Jackson, my son and my nephew was in town grabbing some 14ers down there in Lake City, south of Gunnison. And that's like a big off-roading town. And they have all these four-wheel drive trucks and uh, all these things. And one of the things that I've learned about uh, is that, do we have any off-road people? Like I'm off-roader, any, anybody in the room? I see one of you, I see the hand, sorta, kinda. There's the, the you, you take with you when you're in a four-wheel drive vehicle and you're going off-road, it's called a traction pad or a recovery board. And you just have it with you in your truck or your Jeep or whatever you're driving. And when you get stuck, you put that traction pad or recovery board behind your back tires and you, it helps you get unstuck. It's a practical thing that you have with you in case you get stuck. I think that Romans 12, for some of us, most of us, all of us will be a traction board, a recovery board for us in this season of our lives. Another word picture I just mentioned, we were in Lake City uh, doing some hiking. I love to hike. I kind of fell in love with hiking when Lindsay and I lived in Alaska. Uh, 15 years or so ago, and then we moved to Colorado in 2011. And so in 2012, that summer, I started grabbing some 14ers. I mean, we live in Colorado. There's 58 of those big boys here uh, in our state. So let's get a few. And as time has moved along, I've actually grabbed 43 of those uh, big ones now. And so I've got 15 left to go. And I'm kind of one of those guys that's trying to grab all of them. And I have been in trouble twice uh, in the mountains. I've uh, lost my way. It's uh, kind of scary moments when you're in the backcountry and you lose, you lose your way. And the reason why I got in trouble both times was because we lost the trail. We, we lost the route. So route finding is kind of a big thing when you're hiking. And for any of you that have hiked 14ers, you know, uh, we're looking for those rock cairns, right? Those piles of rocks. Uh, C-A-I-R-N-S, a rock cairn. And that will tell you that you're on trail. If you're in a big, huge boulder field, everything looks the same and you're trying to figure out, you can't really tell where the trail is because it's a huge boulder field. So you're just trying to find the next rock cairn and you walk to that rock cairn and then you walk to the next one. And that's how you know that you're on route. And so you won't get lost. I think that uh, Romans 12 also will give us those rock cairns to help us 
um, be on trail with the Lord. Um, there have been seasons in my life, certainly, when I have been spiritually stuck or have felt spiritually stagnant. And two really main sources of strength for me, traction boards, if you will, uh, has been uh, brothers, uh, people, the family of faith, the community of faith, people that have come alongside to, to listen, uh, to care, uh, to remind me of what's true when I'm believing lies. Just the, the body of Christ, the encouragement of brothers and sisters in Christ to lean on, that has been a huge, huge help to me. And the second is an awakening to the power of scripture in my life. I, I'm, I'm grateful, Andrew, hearing you read uh, John um, 15 for us and you made that comment like, I bought this book, but it's not really a book. It is the very words of God. It is life giving to us, it is living and active. And so an awakening to scripture and the word of God has also been really helpful and spurring me along in seasons of my life when I have been stuck. Romans 12, I believe, is a recovery board. It is a tangible, practical opportunity for us to get some spiritual encouragement and exhortation to get moving. And there are lots of rock Karens for us in Romans chapter 12 to help us be on our way together. What I want to emphasize, you'll hear this word in, um, in Romans 12, the first couple of verses when we get there. What I want to emphasize to you is the word transform. Because the work of God in our lives, the work of Jesus, the living and active reality of the word of God is transforming to us as we follow Jesus. And so I just want to emphasize that to you as we get moving to have an expectation and a longing to say, Lord, your word says that this will transform my life. And so I'm believing that. I'm going to receive that and believe that and, and believe that God is going to transform things in my life, help break me free from things where I feel stuck in. And before we read those first two verses, there's a, a question that I um, engage with people. If, if I'm having a conversation in my office or um, perhaps I'm at Panera or a coffee shop or someplace in town, and we're just talking about spiritual journey and, and there's, I'm just feeling kind of stuck right now, uh, there's a question that I enjoy asking people just to try to understand kind of their background and where they're from and their relationship, uh, what that's been like with the church really over the years, uh, if they've grown up in church like I grew up in church. And so the question I ask is this, when you, when you think about it, and I would invite you just to consider this question for your own journey, when you consider your relationship with Jesus, forever how long you've been in relationship with Jesus, or if you're here as a a guest and you're, um, you're not a follower of Jesus, but, but you're here. We're so glad, by the way, we're so glad that you're here and you're asking questions and you're seeking uh, truth. We're so thankful that you're here with us this morning. Uh, what has that journey been like for you? How would you, art what words would you put on that journey, that relationship, that time that you've been following Jesus. Uh, how would you answer that question if I asked you, what, what's your experience been like with like the church, churches you grew up in, maybe this church, other churches, what has that experience been like for you? And then I'll actually give them, has it, ha, if you were to answer that question honestly, would you say, well, would you say it's like there's been pressure, there's been um, performance, 
uh, there's been uh, kind of, I felt guilt and shame a good amount, um, behavior modification, like would you answer it that way? Or, or would you answer it this way, like righteousness, peace, joy, rest, transformation of my mind and heart in my life? Would you say it's been hard, pressure, guilt, shame, behavior, or would you say it's been easy, which is what Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And it's interesting, maybe this will surprise you, maybe it won't surprise you because it's your story. Um, most people, the vast majority of people that I ask that question to answer mostly pressure, mostly guilt, shame, mostly low-grade evangelical fever. Like I always feel like I'm not quite doing enough. And I think the reason for that is because we have been given teaching uh, that puts an overemphasis, hear this, an overemphasis on obedience and an underemphasis on freedom in Christ, identity in Christ, and grace actually empowering growth. I, th I think that may be the reason that people answer that question is because their experience has been like, my experience, I, I didn't understand the liberating freedom of the new covenant of grace. I didn't have right understanding of the new covenant and how the new covenant has severed a relationship with the old. I didn't understand those things. And so I lived under the pressure of the old and a new covenant age. This is core stuff for us at Two Rivers Church helping people understand what my friend calls FIG, that acronym FIG, freedom in Christ, identity in Christ, and growing in new covenant grace. Why am I saying all this? Because Paul is very exhortive. Again, he's assertive and he is exhortive in Romans chapter 12. And we, as a new covenant church, centered in the grace of Jesus, we have to be biblically discerning when we come to passages of scripture like Romans 12 that has a lot of exhortation in it so that we don't read exhortation in the new covenant through the lens of legalism. If we're not biblically discerning, we will come to uh, chapters like Romans 12 and we will feel the weight of those exhortations because we're not rightfully understanding the exhortations through the lens of the freedom of the new. Instead, we're reading them with this heavier yoke of legalism. Legalism is just a, uh, just a word that basically means rules on rules on rules on rules. And so we have to be careful, we have to be biblically discerning to understand Paul's exhortations here through the lens of freedom because Paul is a radical new covenant of grace preacher. He is not giving you a theology in Romans 12 of mixing the old covenant law and the new covenant of grace. He is helping us understand that the new covenant of grace message empowers our lives to be transformed. And here is the way of Jesus that we're on. You guys with me? And so as we come to these um, passages, uh, let's keep this in mind. Grace, the, the grace of Jesus empowers 
our living. Grace empowers our transformation. Uh, here's kind of a breakdown of Romans. Paul, 11 chapters. Fig, 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 over and over and over. Freedom in Christ, identity in Christ, rest in Christ. I am giving you a proper theology of the new covenant message of grace. And then when we get to chapter 12, he transitions. The very first word of Romans 12 is therefore. Therefore, based on everything that I've told you about understanding new covenant of grace theology, let's go somewhere together. Let's be transformed and go somewhere together. And so that is the beginning of a transition in terms of the whole book of Romans. Know this, Romans 12 is new covenant teaching about the transformation of our minds that leads to the transformation of our lives. Our lives follow what we think and what we believe. Our lives don't tell us what we believe. Our beliefs tell us how we live. And so there's this battle that's going on in our minds. And Paul wants us to understand that so that our minds are renewed in grace and freedom. As, you, as we work through Romans 12 over the next three weeks, know this, uh, Romans 12, it's really, it's a, a beautiful summary of our three core values as a church, uh, which is a gospel-centered community. We are centered, our agenda is new covenant, grace and freedom. A movement of grace upon grace. That is two of us church, gospel-centered, family-oriented. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, young and old, and we are doing this together. We belong to each other, knowing and being known, serving and being served, um, loving and being loved, uh, celebrating the highs of highs and the lows of lows, rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn all along the journey of life. We are a family, amen? We are together in this second core value. Third core value, uh, we, are, we wanna be mission-minded, a, a blessed community that's empowered to be a blessing. And so that's what we're going to do. So today, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're going to talk about the transformation, the renewing of our minds in the gospel, gospel-centered. Next week, God has gifted each person in the family of faith with gifts. And the reason he has gifted you and me and all of us by his grace is so that you would bring your gifting, your passion, your calling to the church to encourage the church and equip the church and build up the church. And we need each other. And Paul is giving us, he'll give us a, a really beautiful vision of that next week. And then two weeks from today, we'll wrap up Romans 12. Paul would say it this way, sincere love is love in action. It is tangible. You can actually see it. You can watch sincere love in action. And we'll talk about mission together uh, as a church family. Uh, know this, Paul is not content to leave the church in Rome right where they are. Certainly the gospel of grace, Jesus meets you, me, everyone right where they are, truly right where they are. But the, the love of God and the grace of God loves you so much, it will not leave you there. It will transform you to be conformed more and more and more to the image of Jesus. That is where Paul wants to lead the church in Rome. And that is where the word of God is leading us this morning. Um, Romans 12, one and two, just two verses this morning. I'll put this up on the screen as well. 
Romans 12, one and two, therefore, again, therefore, base what I said for 11 chapters, I urge you, I exhort you, I call you, I encourage you like a good shepherd does. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of the mercy and the grace and the love that God has given to us freely, in view of that, to offer, offer, do something, right? To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, to offer your very lives as a living sacrifice unto God holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse two, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I think Paul understands temptation. I think he understands the world. I think he understands that the way of the world is against the way of Christ. And he's saying to the church, to the believers, the followers of Jesus, be careful, don't conform any longer. Why? Because you're new in Christ and the way of Jesus is not the way of the world. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed. How? How? By, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You will have discernment. Then you will have discernment. You will have wisdom. That question that many of you, if not all of us, have asked in our life, I don't know what, what is God's will for me? Then you will be enabled to discern what the will of God is in your life as you offer your life as a living sacrifice. God will show you his purpose for you. To approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of God for us this morning. I wanna make four points with you for the rest of our time together. Firstly, the response of our lives must be rooted in the grace and in the mercy of Jesus. The response that we are empowered, our response is empowered in view of God's mercy and view of God's grace. It's not something that we can just manufacture on our own and just get busy uh, doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. It really, it really can only begin in view of God's mercy and belief of God's mercy and right believing lends itself in view of God's mercy. Right believing leads to holy living, transformation. Living for and serving Jesus with our lives is only possible in view of God's mercy and grace, his life, his death, and his resurrection for me and you, the very presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. This is the simple gospel. In view of that, in view of that, that's our response. Second point, and our response is, Paul says, a living sacrifice. In the old covenant, there were animals sacrificed daily in the temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Blood was shed for the forgiveness, for the 
covering of people's sin. Paul is making a real big distinction in Romans 12 between a new covenant reality that the church, they are living sacrifices unto God. And that is juxtaposed against the old covenant reality of animals who were killed on at the altar for the forgiveness of sins. We are the freedom people. We are the Jesus people. We have been radically forgiven and set free. And we are the alive people. We are the living sacrifices. Are you with me, church? This is our response that we offer our lives, our very lives, as a living sacrifice, the caring of people, the caring, the loving, the serving, the worshiping, a people not dead, but a people that is alive in hope and joy. Our response is a living sacrifice of worship. Thirdly, our response to his grace is Worship. This actually isn't talking about singing worship. It's talking about how our worship is how we live our lives. Uh, that's what Paul is referring to here. Uh, I love I love singing. I said this before. That's one of the things that I've missed the most about not being gathered on Sunday morning every single week. It stirs my heart. It um, it connects my head to my heart. It it um, it lifts my spirits. It it takes my eyes off of my circumstances and raises my gaze to heaven. I love the corporate worship of God and the church will be singing until Jesus returns and the church will be singing unto heaven forever and ever and ever. But Paul's not talking about singing here, uh, by the way. Paul is talking about living here. Worship is how we live. I uh, remember a few years ago, there was a young man, a CSU student and man, passionate. I love this guy. Uh, and there was a song that was out and uh, the song was just one of those songs that just like the, the church family and a lot of people just, you just kind of rise up. You know, it's one of those songs you're just like, oh my gosh, this song is awesome. And uh, there's a song like that right now for me. I don't know if you guys know Zach Williams, but he's singing a song with Dolly Parton. I mean, I'm a country boy from Tennessee and Dolly Parton is singing with Zach Williams. There's a song on right now. I love it. It's awesome. Every time it comes on, I turn it up and me and Michaela and Brennan belt it out. Um, just give me Jesus, right? Uh, but he, he said this statement to me. He goes, man, when you guys do that song at church, I worship hard. I worship hard to that song. And, you know, I love that. I love that, you know. But the reality is, um, if we just pull back from that, if, if I need or if you need a certain song or a, a certain um, style or a certain atmosphere, environment to worship God, then we're actually not very rooted in the love of God and in the gospel of God. I mean, I love to worship, but when we're rooted and grounded in love and in the word, like there's this reality that stirs my heart, my heart to worship all the time. So I'm not saying let's, let's sing worship songs. Let's write wonderful worship songs. And when you're in here, worship hard. Let's do it. Let's do it. But the worship that Paul is talking about here is our lives. And he's saying true worship is sacrificial service with your bodies, with your lives. And then fourthly and lastly, the means by which transformation comes, Paul says, is by staying off social media. Thank you for the courtesy laughs. 
thought I might get more laughter on that one in the second service in the 830. I will say this. I think staying off social media will actually renew your mind. But that's not actually scriptural. That's just my own personal opinion. Um, what Paul says here is that our transformation comes by the renewing of our minds to the truth of the gospel of grace. And renewing of the mind, think about this with me, the renewing of your mind, in my mind, is, is an internal process. The renewing of your mind, which leads to the transformation of your lives, it is an internal process for all of us. What will direct Jesus' followers, what will lead, guide, direct Christians to live, to actually live in the way of Jesus, to follow in his way. And Paul's answer is that God is at work in us, inside out. God is at work in us, changing the very way we think. Because when our thinking changes, when our belief changes about God, about life, about life in God, when our thinking changes, our lives will follow. Many preachers, teachers, um, so bent on getting people to obey God can easily fall into a more legal approach, rule-oriented, behavior modification-oriented approach to Christian obedience. And they focus on commands and they focus on obedience without preaching that transformation really can only happen in the renewing of our minds and believing the gospel of grace. And I think if renewing our minds is as important at Paul, as Paul says it is here, then perhaps a goal, maybe even the goal of ministry, of discipleship, should be to form our minds. Not to conform our minds to the world, but to conform our minds to the word of God and to the way of Jesus. And this, this will require preaching and discipleship that focuses on identity and rest and freedom. Renewing our minds is where transformation happens because when we change the way we think, we change the way we live. I believe this, right? Believing leads to transformation in our lives. So many of us, especially now, this season of life, so overloaded with so much information, uh, so many thoughts of this world. And then what the enemy does is the enemy kind of piggybacks on the messaging of the world that we're being bombarded with. The enemy piggybacks on those messages and his mission is to keep our thoughts selfish to keep our thoughts dark, to keep our thoughts pessimistic, to keep our thoughts tense, to keep our thoughts discouraged and defeated. He knows that he can use negative thoughts to incite fear in our hearts. And when he incites fear in our hearts, he, he, it incites our need to try to control people. And, and, and we lose our way because we're making agreements with the messaging of the world instead of the truth of God and his word. Satan, know this, does not want you to be free. He wants to imprison your mind. The battle, really, I believe, is in our minds. What we believe, what we trust in, what we place our truest foundation in. 
Transformation by the renewing of our minds. The Greek word translated renewal can also be translated renovation. The renovation of your mind. Transformation comes as you renew or your mind is um, renovated. We're doing some uh, house renovations right now. We've lived in our house since 2011. We've been dreaming of doing some renovations in our house uh, for quite some time. We borrowed a little bit of money and we're excited to do that. But one of the things that we're learning quickly about a kitchen remodel and a house remodel is this, this thing takes some time. It is slow going. Uh, to save uh, quite a few thousand dollars of painting, I was like, you know what? I'll paint all the trim in the house. That ain't fun. I'm on, a, I'm on a three week break right now from painting trim in the house. I can do it in like, I can do it for two hours and I get so like tense. I'm like, okay, I gotta be done. I gotta be done. It's gonna take some time for our house to be renovated. Having your mind, my mind renovating takes time as well. It is a process. We know this. Transformation is not instantaneous. It happens over time. In fact, the word be transformed, to get a little Greeky with you again, is in the present imperative in the original language. And all that basically means is this. Um, it's not be transformed one time and then you're done. And the present imperative is an exhortation, but it has an ongoing be transformed, be transformed and on and on and on. Paul understands that the renewing of our minds is transforming our lives along the journey of life. And this will carry on as we, um, as we live. Uh, so I, uh, I want to encourage us today, like this reality, if any of you are feeling stuck or stagnant, uh, that you want to experience some renovation, some renewal. Uh, growing in grace happens as we replace fearful thoughts, discouraged thoughts, selfish thoughts with thoughts, truth from God's kingdom, from his word. It's just replacing a negative thought with a liberating free thought. It's replacing a lie that perhaps we are believing with the truth of God. This is how we experience actual real deliverance. This would be a tangible spiritual discipline that I would encourage you in your life. If you are stuck, if you are feeling uh, discouraged, if you are feeling um, stagnant, Talk about why that is. Write out your feelings, write out thoughts and like identify which of those thoughts are centered in the promises of God and which are centered uh, in the way of the world or perhaps um, the struggle that we sometimes have of like seeing the circumstances of our lives and we have a, a feeling about the circumstances and we feel more deeply about the circumstances of our lives than we do about the truth of God's liberating word for us. And I would literally say this, in your journal, you could write all the, th those things down and replace those discouraging, negative, fear-based thoughts, cross them out and write a verse right next to it. You replace a negative thought with a kingdom thought. And I'm telling you, when you do that, your mind is renewed and you will experience deliverance. I promise you, you will. And if you're having trouble believing those promises, I would say this to you, if it's like this, and I know this has been true in my life too, I don't feel like this is true. I feel like what I'm trying to replace is more true. Submit your feelings 
to the truth of God's word, share with a friend where you are and ask them to pray for you that the truth of God would renew your mind and you would submit those feelings to the truth of God so that the emotion of trust and rest and hope and joy would replace the negative emotion of maybe what you're feeling based on circumstance. Unlike the world which uh, teaches you to empty your mind to achieve peace, God's way to fill your mind is with fresh, powerful, redeeming thoughts. What you need instead of emptying your mind is to instead infuse your mind with the truth of God. Jesus said this in John 8, you will know the truth and the truth will set you, tell me, free. You will know the truth, but we got to know the truth. What is the truth? Replace truth with lies. Know the truth and the truth will. It will. It's a promise of God. I don't feel like it's setting me free. Okay, I hear you and I'm with you. But the promise of the scripture is that it will. So let's walk in faith together and believe God to do this uh, in your life and in mine. You can't, I can't afford to think differently about my life than God does. We can't afford to think differently about our lives than the liberating promises of God in his word. So I pray for us in this season that we would be as a people rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus and that we would be rooted and grounded in his word and that we would be people of truth. And in so doing, we would be people of freedom and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Lord, thank you for this time together as a church family, as we sing this last song together. Lord, I pray uh, that your word and the worship that we are about to enter into, Lord, would, would be catalytic toward offering our bodies as living sacrifices that it would spur us on to love and good deeds, that we would be renewed in our minds and be transformed in our lives by your mercy and by your grace. In Jesus' 